You are listening to Storytelling with a Purpose, a Memory Fox production. I'm your host, Celine Krizan, and I am here to take you behind the scenes with some of your favorite nonprofit marketers. Hear how they got where they are today, some of their favorite stories, stories from clients, and tips and tricks on how to be the best you can be, the best nonprofit marketer there is, and what they do that makes a difference. Today, we have Mike Lee from Team Rubicon. So Mike is a native of Chicago. He graduated from Loyola Marymount University with a degree in creative writing. At LMU, Mike developed international and domestic volunteer trips and served as one of the volunteer coordinators for the Student Veterans Organization. Mike's professional background is in advertising and marketing and has experience in executing large print and digital campaigns for nonprofit and tourism clients. Currently leads the branding and creative team at Team Rubicon, a veteran-led disaster response organization. He lives in Denver, where he thinks a lot about dogs, bourbon, and totally didn't cry when the Cubs won the World Series. So, okay, first, before we dive in, I have to say this. So my first professional baseball game was seeing the Cubs, and people loved me there because I was a Bills fan. So that was when we were both very bad. So they're like, you understand what it's like to suck. So I can't imagine seeing you like your team win. So tell me how it felt. Tell me where you were. I need to know. Um, so I, I was, I was back living in Chicago in the time and, um, like I, I grew up playing baseball, but I, it was, I didn't like okay. get baseball cards and, in, in, in the stats, like the num- I, numbers are just not my thing. Yes. So <laughs> baseball is like difficult to grapple, but as I got older, I really just like fell in love with just all the history. You know, my, my uncle would call his dad after every single Cubs game. His dad lived until he was mm-hmm. like 101 and they were still talking Cubs until the very end. And, <laughs> um, I just fell in love with just the history of it and how, you know, in the neighborhood Wrigleyville feels. And, um, so I was in a dive bar, um, like barely, like just watching over the, 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 the rim of the, of the table and during the world series. And, sprayed cheap champagne and, and bad beer everywhere. It was, it was, uh, it was a highlight. As you should. It's one of those moments like that camaraderie, I think we find um, in sports, right. Is such a gift and like just identifying um, breaking it down in a marketing sense is that's what we're here to talk about today. Yeah. Uh, like just that camaraderie and that brand and that joy. And I think the Cubs are just such a special example of that. So what a cool feeling and what a fun, fun little tidbit to share. So thank you for including that. I was overjoyed. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad. So, Mike, tell me about your role and how you got to Team Rubicon. Tell us about that journey and that story for us. Sure. Yeah. So, currently, I'm I lead the brand and creative team. Um, we really function as like the in-house uh, creative agency for Team Rubicon, supporting whatever business ventures operations uh, that we have. So, it, it's a really fun. Um, approach as far as in-house it's not as stale as working on a single brand you're cranking out the same stuff every single day um there's a lot of different audiences Mm -hmm. that you have to consider different branding challenges creative solutions you have to come up with so um from an in-house standpoint i think it's really really fun and um you know it's a great brand to be a part of um by journey you know you talked about i went to loyola marymount university um 
I got a degree in, in creative writing and poetry, uh, the much to the chagrin of my parents. Um, but I eventually <laughs> transitioned that into copywriting in advertising and okay, great. worked on, worked on tourism, um, worked on some nonprofits. Didn't really scratch the itch for me. Um, it was fun, but I wasn't right. doing anything. Um, <laughs> so on the side, I started volunteering for this organization uh, of a guy that I met in college. Um, his name is Clay yeah. Hunt. He served in the Marine Corps with one of the co-founders of this organization called Team Rubicon. And I grew up watching the A-Team like pretty religiously mm -hmm. as a child. And uh, if you if you aren't familiar with Team Rubicon, it's it's military veterans who are repurposing the skills that they gained in the military and applying those in disasters or humanitarian crises. And to me, it's like, this is the real life A-Team. Yeah. Um, without you know, being right. accused of anything weird. Um, but it's like, this is just a really, really cool story. And these guys and gals are so compelling and the work that they do is truly impactful. So I started volunteering for them on the side, doing communications things, writing copy, newsletters, stuffing envelopes, whatever mm -hmm. they wanted done, because that that helped me scratch that itch of purpose. That purpose, yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, that I wasn't getting at a boutique ad agency in West Los Angeles. Um, I did that long enough that when they started to scale, they, they hired me on. And um, that was in 2012. And I started working as a communications and fundraising guy. I was the second, second hire. Uh, we were oh, working wow. in a, like an old factory in Inglewood. And, uh, over the years, I just I got to wear a lot of different hats as as the as the organization scaled, and I, I you know started to keep going in the communications, narrowed deeper into marketing, focused more on creative, now into brand and strategy, mm -hmm. and I think what kind of the the common thread from poetry all the way to <laughs> Team Rubicon was, I really love like world building, and I, I think as a okay. good poet, you have to kind of you you create all these tiny little points for a reader to to build a world around the things that you write. You know, you can't give them all of the details, but you give them such specific details that you know exactly where you are or or that feeling. And to me, that's actually what creative and, and brand does as well. You're 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 building all these artifacts and you're really allowing people to understand the emotion or yeah. the story behind your brand. And hopefully you can kind of put the person in there and, and they get that sense and that feeling. And maybe it's that mission or purpose, whatever you're trying to hit at with your creative. Um, that's, that's kind of how it, it, it all comes together for me. So I, I tell my, my, my folks that it's like, it wasn't a waste. Of a yes. So it's great. Everyone should Mike, be I, I agree. And I, I went for, to for my undergraduate degree in theater and political science. So, and the more people I talk to that are in the nonprofit world, it's so interesting to hear all the different backgrounds. And a lot of them tend to be in the creative field, which is, it's, I'm not saying that I, that surprises me, but it did for a while because you think like, oh, I should have gone to like business school and like checked all these things off the list and not knocking all of those wonderful degrees and skills you learn in business school. Uh, but getting that creative purpose and having those diverse 
perspectives and taking time to learn the skills of writing. And like you said, building a world, it's, it's invaluable, I think. So how do you, how do you bring that creative purpose, that creative energy when you're building a campaign, when you're building something on social media or for your website, how do you, how do you bring that? How do you instill it? Yeah, I, I think with any with any strategy, the first thing that you have to do is um, is just research. You have to pour yourself into your campaign. Um, I, one one rule that I heard many years ago was, anytime you're writing copy, you should follow the eighty twenty rule. And eighty mm-hmm. percent of your time, you should be researching, and twenty percent of your time, you should be writing. Um. So I, th- I think if you don't know as much as you possibly can about your audience, about what is your objective, what is the business trying to solve, how do you translate that for someone, that's that's like that's where you have to start. Um, it's hard though, right? Like it's hard because it's so much easier and sexier to jump into the copy and be like, let me just like pump out work. Um, I just read Deep Work. Um, hmm. And it's, that's exactly. So what you're saying is remarkably aligned. It's like why you need to slow down and actually build in time to do your research, to collect those perspectives. It's, it's so critical and so useful. So I'm thrilled that you said that. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's natural, right? Everyone wants to hit a home run, you know, just, right. you, you, <laughs> you just find the perfect headline, the perfect concept and it's there in that, like that, don't, that will happen, right? The of more course. you do it. You'll you'll find it, um, but I think that foundation of just digging in and um, it, it works for the design side as well. Anytime we work with designers and we're working on a logo or a brand new layout, I always say start in pencil and paper. Don't mm. don't jump straight into Illustrator. Don't go into InDesign yet. Just give me a hundred ideas off the bat, and they should not be polished or good. Just do number work. It's a numbers game almost yes. at, at that point. Um, and just see what happens. Something's going to work, but I, like I want to exhaust all of the ideas that you have and see which where we end up. Um, and that's how I think you find kind of that most compelling emotion or spirit or or mm-hmm. whatever you're trying to tap into for the campaign is you, once you've looked at all of the options and um, something will come out of left field that is really insightful and impactful and something that hasn't been done before. And your cause your first idea is not always your best idea. And sometimes you right. just going with your first one is the easiest way to go, right? You're like, okay, great. We just made a decision. Let's go do it. Like that's execute. But when you slow down, like you said, let's draw, let's exhaust all of what's out there. And maybe you combine two images to make one bizarre, beautiful opportunity. Do you have an example where of a campaign that you're really proud of that you guys followed that process? Yeah, but I think this—that's the toughest thing. I think for marketing and nonprofits, like we always we're re, we're always resource constrained. Yes. But to me, I, the biggest resource that we rarely have is time. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's really difficult to get all that time to plan ahead to give your creatives or your marketing team or your development team that that space to just have ideas. Um, it's hard. It's hard to get that. It is. So sometimes it's just like, hey, we've got an idea that works, that worked last time. Let's just put a new coat of paint on it, ship it. And then we can, and then for this next, maybe for our end of year campaign, let's start now in in July and really start concepting. So um, in, in terms of campaigns I'm proud of, I, I, I love the end of year campaigns that 
get a chance to work on at Team Rubicon. Mm. Um, there, there are biggest campaigns. Obviously, they're, they're, they're some of the most important ones in terms of fundraising. And I think because it's such a large cross-collaborative effort between our marketing communications and development teams, there's so many ideas that are flying at each other and combining. And um, I think- Mike, could you, could you break down what the end of year campaign is just yeah, a little bit more? Thank you. Absolutely. Um, so for most nonprofits, end of year giving is one of, if not the most important time periods uh, right. for fundraising because majority of uh, philanthropic gifts come at the end of the calendar year, particularly for individuals, but sometimes corporations and foundations mm. are also on the same calendar year. And most people um, just tend to forget, oh man, I forgot to donate this year. Right. I got to donate you know, whether it's for a tax break or, or, or what have you, um, it's people just forget, or maybe they're feeling extra generous around the holidays and they want to support mm -hmm. causes that are important to them and their family. So the end of year giving is like the Super Bowl uh, for, for, for nonprofits. Um, particularly even the last 72 hours is where you see a huge chunk of gifts come in. Um, but we, we try and start it out like towards Veterans Day because that's a, a particularly right. important moment for us. But you know, November to December is really when it's go time uh, for, for most fundraising campaigns. Brilliant. And I love that you that you anchor a campaign on something that's that's easy to build on. Right. Like Veterans Day, of course. Like but that's something that I think all of us as nonprofit marketers can do as, since we're so mission driven and we're so mission minded. Is there a holiday that you can add on? Even if it's a social media holiday, we love to like play around with those to see where we can get interesting PR pickup and and things like that. Have, how do you integrate that PR and those social pieces into that overall strategy for yourself? Yeah, I, I think um, we, 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 we look at every single date, you know, every, every day has a thing now. Um, so we try and figure <laughs> out which of those moments are really valuable for us. Um, what can we actually say? What is, what would team Rubicon's brand or voice really add to this conversation? Is our audience looking for us to say something? Um, so once we kind of cold down that list and know, all right, this is a valuable moment for us. We have an opportunity. Um, one of the really most, I think one of the most valuable assets that Team Rubicon has, particularly from a creative standpoint, is, is photography, where we mm -hmm. deploy photographers yes. to every single disaster zone. And the, the content that we're able to capture there is just really powerful. Um, and the photographers are incredibly talented. Most of them are volunteers and, and wow. they're just, they're, they're providing just any, any marketer would, would, would go head over heels to get, you know, the assets mm -hmm. that we have. Um, so we, we start looking at these moments of what, what content do we already have that will tie into this theme and who is the, who are the people that were involved in this story? You know, if, if we're looking at, um, the day around Vietnam veterans. We know we have photography of Vietnam era veterans serving with Team Rubicon, uh, or maybe they were helping repair or rebuild uh, a Vietnam veteran's house. Okay. All right, let's follow up with these people, get their story, pitch them to local press, maybe national, depending on what kind of reach we think we can get or what the story's really like. Um, and then also build a, a content capsule or something to support that press story. 
put it on the blog, maybe do video if we have enough content, um, or potentially roll it into the larger campaign as a content right. theme or, or bucket that just kind of filters through the rest of the campaign. So storytelling is a huge part of what you guys do. And you can even tell like it has a really beautiful place on your website, how you say, you know, here are reflections from people we work with. So was that a, was that a decision that your leadership team that you made is how, how did you present that? Because I know thinking about that as part of your brand, it, it's so interwoven. So what was that conversation like? How does it continue to invo- evolve? I, I think it was a really natural or really understood f- component for, for leadership. I, I, I've been here for nine plus years. I can't remember if I have a conversation where wow. we had to pitch Hey, we got it. We should do some human interest stories. Mm-hmm. That would be interesting. It was just always, hey, where are the human interest? Let's let's do these. We need these. We need more of these. And I I think that's because all brands, but I, but particularly for Team Rubicon, it's really story. It's really about the story. It's about the founding yeah. story, and kind of all the stories that branch off of there. Um, in the founding story, if you guys aren't familiar. Um, a group of uh, our co-founder was watching the Haiti earthquake in 2010. He had just separated from the Marine Corps and he wanted to find a way to help. He knew that mm. what he gained in the military would be really valuable. Um, things like you know, small unit leadership. He's comfortable in uncertain environments. Uh, he has medicine training. He, he, mm. he's, he's, he, can, he can do what's, what's needed to be done to help the survivors. The right. problem was there wasn't an organization that was willing to take someone just off the street. Hey, let's go. We'll send you down to the worst humanitarian crisis in a in hundred years in the Western hemisphere. Hop on board. So he just, he, he built just a ragtag team of another guy from the Marine Corps. One of his college buddies was a firefighter, Amazing. met a surgeon on the flight down. They started just picking people up. They met up with a <laughs> Jesuit um, brother in Haiti. Wow. Um, who was kind of the fixer on the ground. And within a matter of days after the earthquake, they were helping triage patients at the largest hospital in Port Prince and going wow. to internally displaced people's camps and seeing thousands of patients who had not received any sort of medical care yet. And it's an amazing story. And I, I but I think that's kind of the that's what people want to be when they join Team Rubicon. They want to be that person that mm-hmm. in my community help. I'm going to find a way to help them because I, I know I can. And whether I'm a highly skilled special forces medic or I'm a law enforcement officer or I'm a nurse or I'm a teacher, I can I can do something. I want to be there to help. And, and so even though that's our founding story, you know, it gets echoed through these reflections from the field day to day of people just wanting to be there to serve and how good it feels to be able to really, really be able to provide an impact for people. And I, I love that story. It's, it's unbelievable and remarkable and how it lives in your brand even now. And since you've joined nine years ago and you've held all of these different positions, what has changed? What has changed in your job? What have you done differently? What have you implemented? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I, the, the biggest thing would be process and okay, yes. <laughs> uh, the time it takes to do things. And, and 
that is certainly, I think, frustrating for many folks. As you scale, um, it feels like, you know, maybe there's a little bit of bureaucracy that creeps in, Mm -hmm. but process for me becomes, you know, really, really valuable. As long as it's like process with a lowercase p, a a big uppercase p process (laughs) gets, gets challenging, but, um, it's a, it's a good thing when these happen because that means your organization is is growing in the right ways. You're able to help mm-hmm. more people. Um, and for me as a marketer, it just means we had we had all these more stories and content and things we needed to intake and, and opportunities to share them. So the way that we used to, to run a piece or publish or ingest footage of just first thing on the top of your desk gets done first because it's going to be fine. It you know it doesn't work anymore. So, particularly in the, in the creative department, we've built a lot of uh, project management um, systems and processes in order to mm-hmm. tackle what's priority and not necessarily what's urgent. Um, and then making sure we're shipping all the things to different departments, different partners, different donors, different channels. I think that's the biggest the biggest change in. What what means is that the the core or the the real soul of the organization that was there nine years ago, eleven years ago, is still really, really strong. That culture is still really prevalent. And I I love that you just said we tackle what's priority, not what's urgent. I think we, as being on, like you said, in nonprofit teams, we're small. While we're agile and we we adapt, sometimes those urgent needs outrank those ones that are priority. So can you talk a little bit about how you encourage your team to focus on priorities rather than urgency and what the fire is burning to tackle? Yeah, I, th- I think the, the first question that you have to ask when you're working on uh, any, any sort of campaign or creative or, or marketing component is why? Like, what are you really trying to accomplish here? What What is your goal and what does success really look like? And that will help you determine, okay, maybe this priority is actually very high um, because right. it's going to have a very big business impact. Or if there's not a really under, if the people don't really understand the why or, hey, this would be cool, but I don't know. Um, all right, you can downlevel that. But that always goes back and forth. The The biggest mm-hmm. thing that we have started to do in recent years is really essentially build a creative library of campaigns and assets that we can pull off the shelf and get into market really, really quickly. And the, the best example I have of that is every time a disaster strikes, whether it's a tornado or a hurricane, we have hours to get a campaign mm-hmm. into market because we know mm-hmm. those couple of hours or, or days after a disaster strikes, that's when the public's attention will be highest and right. they'll be most compelled to give. So uh, it, it's just the, the strategy in those moments is speed. So we built Google Display ads, basically like Mad Lib email templates. Ready to go. Yeah. Ready to go. Um, so we can tell the story we can get people information that they need. We can let them know exactly what we're doing, but we're not recreating this every single time. So even though this is a top priority and it's also urgent in terms of the level of effort required from our team, it's probably one of the lower campaigns that we run. 
it's that is brilliant and what whatever you can do to make your life a little bit easier i'm always an advocate of so would you yes. is there any other pieces of advice you'd give to someone in the nonprofit marketing field a creative what what would you tell them i would say um when you're looking at, at solving solutions, don't always approach it from a nonprofit standpoint. I mean, I, you're a, mm. you're a marketer first. So don't always just think about this is how nonprofits do it, or I've seen other nonprofits do it. I, I think you really should just consider yourself a marketer and, and look at what everyone look at what other brands are doing, because you're, you're building a brand that, right. That's not defined just by your nonprofit category, right? You, you can build a tremendous brand that, um, branches beyond that industry and, and you shouldn't limit yourself to what other nonprofits are doing. I think you should find inspiration everywhere and you will find some major brands, some, some fortune 500 companies that run very intelligent, um, very lean campaigns with kind of unique strategies that even if we're financially you know, constrained or resource constrained or people constrained, you could still find really creative ways to, to build those campaigns. So I, my advice would be just find inspiration from anywhere. Don't, don't limit yourself as a, as a nonprofit marketer. I love that, Mike. So how can we support you? How can we support team Rubicon? Tell us where we can connect with you. Great. Well, I would start at our website, which is team Rubicon USA.org. Um, anyone is able to join. I think really all that is required is, you have a little bit of grit and tenacity and kind of willingness to, to get a little dirty um, <laughs> because disasters are gross. Um, yes. You, you get mud on you, you get who knows what. Um, but the, the opportunity and the chance to be there for, for your community, whether it's your hometown or, or your neighbors kind of across the country, being, being there for someone is, is really valuable and, um, this past year, I think, has been really hard on on many of us, um, and that opportunity is to, to get back out to reconnect, um, to, to find some new camaraderie, um, is really valuable. So, I would encourage anyone to sign up to volunteer. We'll train you. We'll, we'll teach you what you need to know. We'll keep you safe, um, and we'll help you help those who need it most. Oh, thank you, Mike. Thank you for being so inspiring and connecting us with some fantastic resources and advice. So I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for and having we'll me. We'll talk Celine. again soon. Go Cubs, right? Go Cubs. Go Cubs. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning into Storytelling with a Purpose, a Memory Facts production. Thank you for listening in and a huge thank you to our guest, Mike Lee, as we broke down everything as it pertains to marketing, creative approach, and how to really live your brand and tell your story and experience what it means to be a true marketer and really a storyteller. Make sure you're following, make sure you like and subscribe our podcast and head over to memoryfox.io to get even more exclusive content. We have blog posts on there, useful tips, tricks, templates that you can use in your marketing day-to-day -to, -day to make your life a little bit easier and will help you become an even better marketer and storyteller. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Storytelling with a Purpose.